Hello, this is Dan Chagru, and welcome to the More Art Than Science podcast, where I explore the relationship between music and commerce by talking to musicians, mostly guitarists, about how they got their start and how they make ends meet. Welcome to Episode 7. I'm very happy and fortunate to have had an opportunity to interview the multi-talented Clarice Assad for the More Art Than Science podcast. Clarice is a Brazilian-American composer, pianist, arranger, and singer, originally from Rio de Janeiro. She has recorded seven solo albums and has appeared on dozens of additional recordings. She's also Sergio Assad's daughter, which may well be, quite unfairly, her greatest claim to fame in the very small world of classical guitar. Clarice holds a Bachelor of Music from Roosevelt University in Chicago and a Master's Degree in Composition from the University of Michigan. She was also a 2009 Latin Grammy nominee. I caught up to Clarice this spring at the University of Rhode Island Guitar Festival. She was unassuming and has a very real feel about her, a presence that I'm beginning to associate with musicians in general. On to the interview. Clarice Assad, welcome to the URI Guitar Fest. Thank you so much. So I, I'm curious i'm wondering at what point did you know you wanted to get into music i was i think nine years old when i just knew that was a calling for me yeah mm-hmm. was it something that you heard specifically a piece or or saw well i had been um, introduced to music by my father sergio assad and my uncle of course the mm-hmm. two assad brothers mm-hmm. the duo since I was a baby, pretty much, so I grew up with music. I was um, encouraged by my father to to play, and it was a very organic thing that we did. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so since I was a little baby, music was a big part of my life, mm-hmm. and it became a very emotional part of my life. It was something I couldn't separate myself from, so I had no doubt about being a musician. Yeah. So with a dad and an uncle who are the Assad brothers, or I mean, I guess your dad especially, were you going to sleep every night in the crib with your dad playing guitar, or was it like, I mean, how, like 24, so you're eating breakfast, he's playing guitar, like, were you ever just like that, enough with the guitar, or were you... 24 hours a day, maybe that's how much they practice, and Mm -hmm. I'm not exaggerating, and (laughs) if they weren't practicing, they were listening to music, Mm -hmm. and uh, the only problem there, like, is that at some point... Uh, my father and my mom, they got a divorce, they separated, and I was really kind of what young year? at that. Yeah. It was around that age, like an eight, nine. And um, that was a big break for me. So I took a break away from music because I associated... You stayed with your mom? Or, yeah. or you associated... Uh, yeah, he, he left. I mean, in Brazil, uh, we're talking about making money in music. Brazil was impossible to make money mm. in music. It still is. And I'm talking about the 80s. My father and my uncle had to leave the country so they could have a career. Uh, so there was no way we could have had a family in Brazil uh, okay. and have them, you know, be the Assad brothers in that country. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So they left with, without you, essentially. Oh, yes. yes. So, you know, we, we became, you know, um, really kind of, we became almost strangers for, for like the whole year. We would see each other. Is also there was no money <laughs> to buy the plane tickets back then, which were like completely a lot more expensive than now. Mm. 
So it was kind of a hard situation, mm. you know. Which part of Brazil were you in? I was in Rio. Okay. I was living in Rio, and I stayed with my mother and my my brother. Okay. So they and they went out to the U.S. Then no, no they, they went didn't. out to Europe, um, uh. and they started having success there. Slowly, it wasn't something that happened overnight, mm. and they had very little, few concerts at that point. You know, they were kind of in a way they were struggling. Yeah. But they were struggling less over there than in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just remembered it's sort of a funny story because I, I had heard you interviewed on uh, Brett Williams' podcast, I believe it was, to, and uh, and was listening to your music. And I happened to have two people in the house who were from Brazil um, working on a uh, putting a window in. <laughs> And I was so excited that, you know, I knew they, they were Brazilian and I had this Brazilian music and I just wanted to talk to them about Clarice Assad mm-hmm. and they were just completely not having it. So I guess there's a difference between, you know, playing great Brazilian music and being recognized by yeah. uh, popular British culture. I guess I don't I mean, even sorry, know. It's so difficult. Brazilian culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's anyway. it's totally a different world, but the, yeah. the world is very divided right now. Yeah, you know, right with the politics. Yeah, that and also even music. Like um, there is mainstream, what we call mainstream, and there is like pop that you hear on the radio. Yeah, stuff that is out on your face, on everybody's face, mm-hmm. that bounce right there. Stuff that is made to make millions of dollars overnight. Mm. That is like um, to me. That's like a factory. You know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. all manufactured, really, most of the time. And then there's the elite of music, which is a very small niche of thing. That's that's the category that everybody else falls into. <laughs> they don't fall into the mainstream. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so you're so you're growing up uh, surrounded by music, twenty four seven, from crib till nine years old. Now all of a sudden, your dad is gone, yeah. and there's a, some emotional tear there. And you're thinking, and if, if I understood you, it's you're thinking or you were behaving in a way where music was actually reminding you of him, so you almost wanted to draw away from it. Yes, uh, yeah. exactly. And I did do that for a few years, actually. I didn't even play anything until mm-hmm. I was 13. Mm-hmm. And just by myself, on my own, I went back to it because I realized it was something that I loved, you mm-hmm. know, independently of everything else. But in, the interesting thing is that even though they laughed... And they had a different life over there. They were slowly becoming successful. Mm-hmm. So this sent me a message of like, hey, this is possible. Yeah. You know what great. I mean? Yeah. And I didn't really know. I know I knew it that in the beginning it was difficult and it came from absolutely nothing. You're talking about very poor family mm-hmm. that had a lot of struggling, you know, to get by and but to see them go away and, and have a career, even though it took so long, it was really inspiring. Great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you're 13, you're coming back to music. What was the first, was it singing, was it piano, guitar? Yeah, it oh. was kind of mostly playing piano and writing music okay. at the piano. And how did you handle getting lessons or instruction? Was it in a school? Was it with an instructor? I was just teaching myself. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, at that point. And it became, um, I hit a point where I needed to have lessons. So somebody, um, 
I think somebody mentions this teacher in, in Rio who was really good at uh, merging classical piano and popular music. So it was really good because um, it gave me a lot of freedom to experiment. Instead yeah. of going like, okay, go to this person who's going to teach you the classical repertoire and, okay, and right. you're going to be uh, boxed in. Boxed in and yeah. it's going to be hard. Anyway, so it was a good thing. Yeah. And so you're in secondary school and, and then seeing this teacher uh, outside of school hours. Yeah. You, you weren't in like a music school. Eventually I went to a music school, yeah. Uh, but it started like that. Teacher, a, private teacher, and then, okay, okay, let's go from there. They, um, This teacher uh, of mine, she played at this jazz orchestra at the time. So anytime she she could play with them, I would fill in for her. So oh, cool. To, to so you got come. to play out. I got to play. It was an yeah. amazing, and I was very young. Um, it kind of took me in under their, you know, wing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so, so the first times you performed, was that also, was that another sort of step along the road or in a staircase towards wanting to become a musician professionally? I mean, I think so, it, yeah. yes, because then at, at that point I was so infatuated with, with jazz because jazz was so um, free mm. and you could do anything with it. So I, I think at that time, it was like in the 90s, all you could hear about was Berkeley School of Music in mm -hmm. Brazil. It was the most important, you know. Oh, really? It's name. got that. Uh -huh. Yeah, it has the that. international cachet. Yeah, it it has that uh, reputation. Yeah, reputation, yeah. Yeah, and also like you know, you're talking about pre-internet. It's not like I could Google schools mm -hmm. at that point. Right. It would just that heard was it the from one. people. Yeah. yeah, who had come back, and so I had that dream, and it's amazing because my father was living in Europe, as I told you. But things kind of didn't go well uh, with his personal life. His uh, second wife, uh, she passed away. So that was a big break in his life. And things got really crazy at some point. Um, so I'm sorry to delve into the personal, but I, I didn't realize. So he, he didn't just leave Europe to for the music. He left Europe with another woman. No, he right? eventually met somebody. Oh, it okay. became He went to music went yeah. to Europe for the music stayed Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's confusing. Okay. I just I don't know. It's just like okay, so he's in in Europe, right? So he had promised me, after you finish high school, I will um you come live with me. And that way we can be closer and we can do music, which I know is something you want to do and I was like, Great, you know, that's what I wanna do. But all these things happened. Life happened. Mm -hmm. um, this tragic loss of um, his second wife. But then, you know, that it's interesting because he met somebody from the U.S. <laughs> and uh, one day he decided to move in with her. Okay. And at that point, I was finishing high school. And then this woman, this amazing woman who came into our life, <laughs> she asked me, how serious are you about music? Do you want to go study at Berkeley? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they... Um, well, did she have a connection there or she just had the, the wherewithal economically? It was just a situation where I could actually uh, go and, and come to the States at that point and study and, you know... Were they living in Boston? No, no. they were in Chicago. Oh. But um, she was uh, still is affiliated with the University of Chicago Oh. And for some reason, there was some kind of a beautiful thing they had at the point. Like, it could help with the tuition. You know, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. Wow. 
And I didn't know any English at that point. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you only knew how to say the book is on the table. <laughs> That's what you learn. <laughs> so I had to go learn English and all that. So all of that just to study music. So, you know, musicians are crazy. <laughs> yes. There is a, a, a little craziness, like there is an obsession mm -hmm. about that, like to make it work, mm -hmm. that I find common to everybody I meet who mm -hmm. actually ends up being a musician. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you had that, but enough craziness to even without the English yes. to just come to the states and study at Berkeley. It was and my goal. I was like, okay, that's that's it. That's what I wanted to and do. And you're 18, 19 years old. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So coming to Boston, my hometown. So welcome. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and did you yeah. do the full four years? No. What happened was that I loved jazz very much, mm -hmm. and I could already kind of play and I understood it, but. Um, I, my second passion, I didn't get to tell you, uh, was orchestral music. Cool. I don't know why. <laughs> I heard a lot of it with my father when I was growing up. Yeah. So, it's, it's that's almost why. like you're embarrassed. There's nothing wrong with orchestral music. No, it's no, fine. No, no, no. It's uh, because they didn't have it there at that point. Oh, right. So, okay. I was in the wrong place. Uh, okay. Because I was thinking, oh, maybe you know, I can get to write for. All these instruments. In. Right. It was you have to go path. across the street to NEC. You're right. <laughs> but anyway, it didn't work out for me, so I ended up going to Chicago to this conservatory to study oh. classical music. Oh, okay. Yes. So how many years at Berkeley before Chicago? One semester. One semester, and then you were like, that's enough. Okay. I can't, yeah. Okay. But Chicago's a great city, too. Okay, so now, so now, now you're in conservatory. And did you do the full I did. degree? Okay. Then I did, and I became really... Like, yeah. really a good student, a like, straight-A student, of good course, yeah. obsessed. <laughs> and um, I did lots of gigging to, to make money on the yeah. side. I awesome. played the electric bass on a salsa band. I mean, I did all kinds oh, of crazy cool. things to, to make, you know, a little bit of money. Though I did live with my father at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that helps with, um, with living expenses and I'm thinking, um, oh, was it a performance degree or was it? It was composition. Composition, okay. It was a composition. And did you, were you thinking at that time, okay, I'm going to get out and I'm going to make a living off of the composition? Or were you thinking, well, I can compose, but I'll be gigging on the side? Or I had no idea. And that's thinking, the most uh, incredible thing. When I think about it now, in my 40s, I'm like, oh, my God. What in the world was I thinking? And I didn't know. The truth is well, that I sometimes didn't. ignorance is bliss. Right? Yes, yeah. I think so. I had no idea how I was going to make it work, but it, it, I just knew it would work somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so so you you get the composition degree. You're playing. You're gigging out in a salsa band. But <laughs> you're you come out. You're into the big wide world of Chicago. Did you have to start off by at least getting like a waitress job or something to supplement this income? Or I did have you just never done that? I have never, never done anything outside of music. So what's the the first week out of school? What are you doing to? Well, I got a master's oh, program. Go back. <laughs> okay, first week you go back to school. Okay, all right. So so you get the master's in composition as well. Yes, okay. I applied. You know, I got my degree, and the day I got my degree, at that point I had a student visa, mm. and they. Pretty much, I mean, they kicked me out, like, boom, oh, okay. out of the country. Okay, yes. well, you have two days to pack and go. And I was like, oh, God, this is weird because I, here I go, going to Brazil at that point. What am I going to do in Brazil? Right. I had no idea. And I really wanted to, you know, 
to stay here and see what would happen. So I came back and I got myself uh, into Ann Arbor, uh, University of Michigan. Yeah. I to was really um, fortunate for, I got... Not postdoc? No, no, no. Uh, it was sorry, just a master's right. degree. Oh. But I got a full scholarship to four colleges at the time, which wow. was amazing. So This is because you did so well with... I did very well. And I was yeah. writing, you know, a lot. It was um, really very prolific and very focused. Discipline. Who, who was picking up the stuff you were writing that that you know was so much so that it was getting noticed and schools were willing to give you a full ride? Honestly, I think it was the people in school, like um, the the students. Even some teachers would come and play at my recital. Oh, cool! So it was like okay, they 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 thought that what I was doing was interesting at that time. Yeah. So um, I got great letters of recommendation. I had great recordings because these musicians were excellent, so yeah. they did justice to the music. So that's great. That's more or less the way it's supposed to work, right? I mean, yeah. within the university, somebody does work, the, the students start to play it because they like it, and yeah. you, your name gets out a little bit, enough so that mm -hmm. the people in Ann Arbor have now heard of you and three other colleges. Mm -hmm. And, oh, great, okay, so then you so you get um, uh, the scholarship so you can come back. Mm -hmm. I, I did a master's degree in composition. My thesis was a violin concerto. Okay. Now, here's the thing. At the time... My father and I got really extraordinarily lucky. Okay, my father was performing with Odair and Nadja Salar and Sonnenberg violinist at that time. I don't know if you know who she is. So I say that name again. Nadja Salar and Sonnenberg. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. She's a very, um, she's an amazing violinist. Okay. She's retired now, but she's um, she was a big name in the eighties and nineties. Anyway, so she. Was, um, what did you say? Like, I remember I was driving them around on the tour. I was their driver. <laughs> and one day I said, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do in an arbor, what I'm going to write. I know it's an orchestral piece, that's my dream. And then she said, as a joke, like, Oh, maybe I can come and play your concerto. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, really? And then, you know, of course, I, I went back, like, We can't you really do that. <laughs> You said it. <laughs> right, right. And then she didn't do that, oh. but she did something even better. I think what happened was like she didn't do it, and then later she felt probably like oh, bad about it. And she went and, and asked uh, her friend at the time, Maring Alsop, conductor. Oh. And Maring was not as famous as she is now, <laughs> but Maring was, she has, um, she had Cabrillo Festival of Contemporary Music in Santa Cruz, California. And she agreed to premiere the concerto there. Wow. If Nadja would play another concerto to pair it with, you know, for to draw the breakgrounds, because mine uh -huh. would probably not. <laughs> so anyway, so that was a big put at the door, like boom, right in there. And she liked the concerto so much, she recorded it. Yay. So yay. <laughs> but really, that concerto almost, I thought it was going to die when I was writing it out of, nervousness and wanting it to work so badly because you already knew who it was going to you mean or this wasn't something that you already done that she was like oh i'll take that one this is like yes. write one for me there's that yeah. and there's the second thing which is what am i doing i'm a college student i have never written for orchestra and here i am writing for this yeah. thing it's a big it was a monster with seven heads yeah you know and so so she records it and does that mean that she's commercializes it she, she did she recorded it, for she, selling? Put it, she yeah. put out on an uh, uh on an album 
It was with the Colorado Symphony, and then she toured the concerto. Oh, wow. She even played with the Philadelphia Symphony with Eschenbach at the time. It was a big deal. So you're getting uh, some sort of royalty for the live performances yes. at that point, yeah, because she's touring. That's right. And then that was the first time I ever saw anything, or even like uh, rental fees for a concerto. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know there were contracts to be. I just. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's rapid education in, in the commerce side. Um, so, so you're getting um, royalties from, from the live performances. And what about the CD? Is that doing well enough? At, and is this like still like in CD land? This was where, a long time ago. Like 98, mm-hmm. late 80s, 90s? That was uh, 2005. Oh, maybe. 2005. Oh, okay. So CDs were already like. They were already kind on of on the way down. Yeah. Yes. But. So is this recording on Spotify today, then? You, you can know? find it, yes, yes, definitely. Do you, do you get these days, well, you, you have other stuff out now. I get nothing. I mean, I don't see money from Spotify or... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's, I'm laughing. Every, everybody says something to that effect, but I'm, I'm curious, is nothing, like, you don't get any checks, or when you get checks, they're very small? No well, checks. No checks. I've never seen anything from that in my lifetime. Who's, what label is the um, concerto on? Well, that was a label that she put out at the time called NSS Music. How do they, I mean, do they not give composers? I don't know how, it, it was never, uh, in this particular situation, it wasn't something that there were people out to, you know, collect royalties. If they ever did, I never found out about it. it, but is it I don't know much about the space, but is it ASCAP? Is it BMI? Is it... Yeah, the, ASCAP, for okay. me, has worked very well in the concert settings, like you said before. Like, um, if somebody performs your music, then you get mm-hmm. royalties from the live performance because they send out these surveys, you know? Uh-huh. And then, you know, if you send the program, and you have to be really good about sending in programs to them. You mean you have to? or Somebody the, the... has <laughs> It could be me. The, it could be the conductor that that was playing your stuff. I mean, who's responsible to let ASCAP know that they've played your stuff? Whenever you write a contract for people to when they perform your music, usually there's a clause that says um, do this on behalf of the composer to submit the programs. Sometimes they will forget. Sometimes you need to remind them to send the programs to you or whoever is responsible for that. And then this person can submit that to ASCAP. It's a big commitment, you know, to yeah. getting in. I, I don't know. Many times I find out that my pieces have been played years after they've been played, you know, because you'll of find out they've played years after they've been played. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's, and I mean, it would, is the responsibility then with ASCAP for something like that? I mean, it doesn't seem like it should apply with you. I mean, you, or is, do you, does you or someone like you have an agent that keeps track of who's playing what live yeah, around the well, world? Yeah, well, the thing is, I since you know, the I'm the do-it-yourself generation. Yeah. When I came out of college, there was nothing happening. Mm. It was after nine eleven too, so things were in a very weird space everywhere yeah okay? so it got mixed with all these other things it was not a good time mm-hmm. to come out of college and go into the music industry <laughs> really yeah so it was um what i actually started doing i got myself books about how to self-publish 
Oh, good for you. Yeah. yeah. And then I started reading that, and then I met Derek Sivers, CD Baby. Oh, okay. Founder. Okay. At that time, he was, woo, Mr., you know, everything, because... People were flocking to his website mm-hmm. and, and selling CDs there. I sold a bunch of CDs with him in the beginning. Good. So I was doing all of that, yeah. you know, indie thing mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that ever since because I never signed with any publisher. I'm my own publisher. So I could hire somebody to do that for me, but I haven't done that. <laughs> but since that, since those heady days, of, since the early CD Baby days... Uh, where where are you in terms of um, revenues? I mean, like you know, one half of what we were at when things were great, or is it like inter- I'm talking about just CD Baby like mm. revenues? CD like, Baby you know. was nice, yeah, but that was when people were buying CDs. Yeah, so nobody's buying yeah. CDs. So now it's like yeah. a tenth of what it was. It's like a hundredth of what it was. Yeah, maybe like that. A okay, of what it was. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, because I remember getting checks from CD Baby. After he went to what he said, the cloud and everything, that is when everything went, you know, and evaporated. Yeah. And the distribution got really shady as well hmm. because CD Baby was really amazing about keeping track of what they sold. And they would tell you, oh, we sold 15 copies of your CD this past week. And here are the names of people who bought it. We're taking this cut. Here's a check. Hmm. It was really like that. Yeah. And then now you don't know who downloads anything. How can you? Right. Well, it's not even being downloaded. Is that's yeah. one of the other issues. So did you? So Spotify is nothing. You know, okay, nothing from Spotify. No, okay. no, no, no. Um, <laughs> so fast forward to. So you've done the competition. I'm, I'm sorry, the composition, and it's doing very well. And then you're you've recorded some stuff that is that it, your um, CD Baby is helping you to sell. And then, let's say the last few years has, has been more focused on teaching, more focused on recording, or how, how are you yeah. balancing the, the um, uh, professional life? I think what happened was that for many years in New York, I was trying to um, do gigging and perform, but that never really happened for me. Mm. Until I decided, and composing was doing really well, mm-hmm. maybe because it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I did a lot of arranging as well, lots of things and producing. So the day I decided I wasn't going to perform anymore in my head, like I was going to give this up and try something else, is the day I started getting calls for performances. Right, okay. So it was amazing. It was like the moment I said, I, I'm, I'm done. It's not going to happen, so I'm done. I'm tired. And So I took that as a, you know an opportunity to... To grow in that sense as well and now i can say i'm doing them in the same in equal measure you know performing, performing and composing and writing i mean yeah, getting or, commission to write for other people which is an amazing thing yeah i still wake up like oh my god really that's amazing wow yeah like this year is like incredible i have a one world premiere every month that's nice yeah <laughs> insane right it's like really incredible but it wasn't like uh, something that happened overnight and it takes time. Yeah. To... So, what, what, so that that point at which you said I'm not going to perform anymore, and then you started getting the calls. This was what? How many years ago? I think it was 2009. Okay. Well, so wow. So you had ten years ago. 10... At that point, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Because I had been trying for many years to. Yeah. So we're coming out of that that uh, recession, and uh, yeah. and you're getting more gigs, yeah. but you're at the same time still being asked to compose. 
So you have a full plate right now. And then, but then I, you know, looking at your website, it looks like you're doing a lot of teaching. Is that um, purely uh, for um, charity work, or is that is that also like a means of sustenance? And mm. well, it's both. <laughs> okay. It's there's something that I do. I don't call it charity, but I do a lot of work with um, in underserved communities, mm-hmm. um, mostly introducing people to music they never heard before, mm-hmm. or composing and writing things and exchanging ideas with young people. Cool. So I use this um, as a music as as a way of communication. You know what I mean? And yeah. sometimes I make. Um, money from that if I go to a school that hires me to go give a talk and then we do a master class and workshop yes mm-hmm. but if I go into a not such a wealthy community then it's different you know yeah okay so so do you set it up as like a, a non-profit where it's like you, you no, no it's totally independent I have not just, even had yeah the time to figure out what it is really it's just kind of like I didn't know what to do with my career. It's it's going that way, but it's taking a life of its own. So okay. Okay. <laughs> we don't know what's gonna happen. You know? Yeah. I definitely love doing what I'm doing, especially with these kids. That's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, well, very cool. So I'm looking forward to hearing you perform tomorrow night. Um, wondering. So for the listeners to the podcast, is there? Oh, yeah. First, what are you listening to for inspiration these days outside of you? And then, and then I want to know what song should we go out with? What am I listening to? Or if it's nothing, it's nothing. If it's silence, it is silence right now because I'm writing okay. a lot of music. You have to keep keep and the I, head oh, still and empty, and then the music comes. I don't want to steal from other people right now. <laughs> hey, here you go. Okay. <laughs> I could, I could, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. So, how about uh, stuff that you've recorded and since wherever? What, what's a piece that you are feeling good about right now that we can go out with? Okay. So, there's this piece called Ad Lib. Ad Lib. Okay. That we're going to be performing tomorrow night, oh. and they just played with their voice today, and they sound amazing. Nice. So maybe that one. Okay. Is it recorded somewhere? It's recorded somewhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me where so I can? Find? Yes. It's um, called. Um, a Brazilian songbook. It's a piece called Ad Lib right. by my father and myself and Odair playing oh, nice. together. Nice. Okay. Beautiful. So it rounds up perfectly. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm, I'll find it on a, a CD called Brazilian Songbook. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We are about to wrap things up here at the More Art Than Science podcast. But before we do, allow me to beseech you. If you like this podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Doing so helps others find the show, which in turn helps the artists that I interview find more fans, which in turn helps fill the world with more and better music. Do your bit!
ありがとうございました